Welcome back, listeners. On this episode, I spoke to costume designer Kita Alfred about her work on Women Talking. Women Talking was directed by Sarah Polly and stars Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, Judith Ivey, Ben Wishaw, and Frances McDormand. Last night, I guess, got back from Los Angeles with Sarah and the team from uh, an, an amazing weekend of interviews and awards ceremonies and fantasticness. It was really, really great. I'm a bit uh, shell, not shell, shell shocked in the best possible way today. It just kind of recovering from that amazing whirlwind time that we had. It yeah. was really great. And we're, we're going back next week for the premiere as well. Oh, so it's a very exciting. exciting time. Yeah, it's really great. Wow. And it's such a blessing to be included in all of this because that's not normally the case. Uh, to, and, and it, but it's very Sarah Polly to make sure that all of us on her creative team were included in all of this. And it's such a blessing. It's been really wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I've talked to a few of the other uh, crew members, um, Luke and Chris Donaldson, um, yeah. and they say the exact same thing as as you've said. Um, yeah. it, it's been such a special film. I saw it in Telluride um, at its premiere, and it was just such a special thing to see it in that crowd at that time with everyone there. I, so I, I just, I applaud you so much for this movie because it's just, it's, it's what, I mean, not just one of my favorites of this year, but of probably the past five, 10 years. It's just, it's so important right. and it's so powerful. Thank you. It was such a pleasure to make. It was an incredible pleasure. One that, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, I've, I've never had an experience like this before. And at some point we started saying, oh, we're never gonna have an, this is too wonderful. Things are too great. We're never gonna do this again. And then we had to stop and just say, no, uh, 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 this, this is, the least wonderful that we're going to have from now on because the bar has been set by Sarah mm -hmm. and this was such an incredible experience on every level Be between the synchronicity of the way things happened for almost all of us to the the inclusion and the respect that was given to everyone at every level and the support that was received by our producers and by our teams and everything. It, it, was, it was an incredible, incredible experience and I loved every second of it, including I had to wrap my head around getting up at 1.30 in the morning to get to this farm to watch the sunrise. <laughs> <laughs> but even that turned into a wonderful thing for me because uh, my son who's 18 now, he was 17 last year, he would get up with me at one in the morning and we would have this wonderful little magic hour of time. We'd go to a McDonald's drive-thru, have breakfast and just talk. There was a lot of stream of consciousness stuff happening at that time of day. And we would just talk and talk and talk. And then I'd go off to my day and he'd go back to his summer. And it was so many special things like that happened on this show. It was amazing on every level. Mm. No, that, that is, I mean, to be that age and to be able to have those conversations in such an intimate setting that, I mean, yeah. you can't replace that at all. So that's, that's yeah. wonderful. Um, just as an ice breaking question for you, um, 
What's inspiring you right now? Well, things very similar to what I just told you, uh, but to be more specific about it, how would I put it? The, the changing of the guard in my life on so many levels. Uh, my son is uh, he's now 18. He's just begun university studying photography and watching him explore something that he really loves and blossoming into an even yummier version of himself. That's been amazing. So that's a new change for us. Um, and my role within watching the people that I know come into their own. I think that's what's really inspiring me. And I've on so many levels, for example, the people I work with, there are many people that I've young, younger people in particular, I've worked with who are now coming into their own and coming into uh, positions of <clears throat> more positions of power and just knocking it out of the park and being for me, the selfish part in me is, is enjoying being able to still be connected to them and to learn from them instead of them learning from me now. Um, well, even very specific to this film is I, I've known Sarah since for 30 years, since she was a young child working, uh, being the star of The Road to Avonlea on a film, a uh, TV series rather that I worked on with her. I was the assistant designer all those years ago and then coming full circle to working with her now. I mean, no one was ever surprised that she's become the amazing, shining, bright light that she is today. She is one of the brightest, most amazing minds I've, I know. And having the pleasure of working for her now is incredible. So I'm really enjoying the, I, I think that's the best way I can put it, the changing of the guard yeah. and being able to enjoy Enjoy all this new inspiration and soak in new ideas and learning to be a little bit elastic in my thought. It's been wonderful. I'm trying to soak it in as much as I can. Or revel in it, I guess is a better word. I don't know. No, I, I love that good. answer. Change. Change is inspiring me. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, but can you tell me about your background and how that um, informed the costumes, because um, from what I read, you were very close to a Mennonite community growing up, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, well, the Mennonite community, I would call it, because not one in, in particular, but southern Manitoba, where I grew up, I grew up in Winnipeg, Manitoba, which is two hours north of Fargo. If, to put it in terms for most Americans who, who would never know where Winnipeg is. <laughs> Um, it's it's very close to Fargo. Um, and that part of Canada is essentially the first place that the Mennonite community came to Canada in the 1870s because they were, as they have over the past 500 years, they fled persecution and moved around. They moved around Europe, they moved around, around they moved to North America, they came to North America, and Manitoba was was the first place that they came and established uh, colonies there and communities there. So there's a tradition still in, in Manitoba and in Canada in general, but particularly Manitoba, of, of uh, the Mennonite culture being part of all of our culture. Winnipeg's a place where everybody's from somewhere, except of course for our 
now shared it with people from all over the world. And there's a real sense of um, celebrating each other's cultures. That's always been the, maybe not always, I'll, I'm a little broad there, but that's my feeling of growing up in Manitoba. And so I, Mennonite culture was familiar to me, but until I started working on this film, uh, certainly not in, in the way that I learned about. I was given access through friends and friends of friends and people who eventually became friends into a deeper look. Uh, I, I got access to a, a deeper look into a culture that I thought I knew, but I really didn't, of course. I, I wouldn't be so, I would try not to be so bold as to say I was an expert in any way, but it's not the least bit unusual to see a woman in plain dress in a Walmart in Winnipeg, 10 minutes from my house. It, it's not in any way a strange thing to go to a colony to buy produce from them or to buy, to have a kitchen cupboard built or something like that. So, and growing up the more secular uh, parts of the culture, more people who had modernized, my teachers, my babysitters, my friends, my teammates, my everywhere. I knew my neighbors. So it, as in all things with uh, Western Canada, it's two degrees of separation to anybody you need to get to know out there. Yeah. Uh, as it turns out, including Miriam Taves, who grew up 45 minutes away from I, where I grew up. And mm. so I, I have always been a fan of Miriam's writing and and it always touched me in a way that seemed really familiar. And so to get a, a chance to delve into more of the things that she talked about, and then to do it with Sarah, and then to make all these amazing friends who, who taught me about their culture in the most wonderful, welcoming, kind-hearted, generous way was an amazing experience. So yes, I was familiar with Mennonite culture, but not to not with the details uh, as specific as they are in our movie. Mm. And you said a term plain dress and I just for the listeners, can you explain what that is? So there's a bit of background there. Certainly, yes, because it can be confusing because it's it's not just she's wearing a plain dress or it, it's literally a term that indicates modest dressing and it, it applies to the men to men as well plain dressed means plain, when if someone is in plain dress let's say it refers to wearing modest clothing that is not on ostentatious that is uh not prideful is not uh does not inspire vanity in its wearer so the as you will probably notice from the film, there are there, there are very few details on the dresses. Mm -hmm. They almost all look identical. Um, there, there are no accessories. The women, especially in, in a colony as traditional, I, I hesitate to use the word fundamental list, but um, as traditional as, as the one we're depicting, things like that are very strict. I've said a couple of times before in interviews, churches have divided over the decision to let women wear buttons on their dresses because the things that seem amazingly uh, constrictive to a modern secular audience, mm -hmm. 
mm. are very, very important. So the, so plain dress means living simply, essentially, dressing simply, dressing in service to your religion, in service to God. In, in the case of the women, uh, those sh the shapes of those dresses are meant to negate the wearer, to make that make the women disappear, to remind them of their subservience to God and of their subservience to their husbands and the men in their life as well, which again, for a modern secular woman in particular, is a really hard concept to, to wrap their head around. Um, although there are other cultures uh, that we are familiar with too, that who have a similar idea uh, and similar principles uh, in their culture or, or their religions. This one was particularly, I, I always, I'm, the audience can't see me, but I'm making a, a, I'm closing my fingers together like a cinching clamp, because I often make that gesture when I describe these clothes they are they are the embodiment of restriction mm -hmm. and as we see in other parts of the movie their entire lives are restricted in by other people mm -hmm. they have virtually no forms of expression which is why something as simple as the the details on a bodice become precious to women in those situations. That's the only way they can express their individuality, their skill. For example, Scarface Jan's family, Frances McDormand's character and her family, um, Scarface is meant to be a, a seamstress and a very good one. And the detail and the precision in her bodice work, for lack of a better word, is the only control she has in in a lot of respects in some respects so plain dress is and i don't want to i don't want this in any way to seem disrespectful but it, it, as an observation it can plain dress can seem very restrictive and uh i just had the word there and it's gone for me now um it it's it's almost a form of subjugation it's mm. not almost it is so there was very little that we had to work with uh, designing these costumes. And I thought of it, besides the fact that I had access to authentic, rep, authentic versions of these dresses, and I bought many from Mennonite women who had either left traditional colonies in Manitoba or in Bolivia or in Mexico. Many, many still have family that pass, come back and forth up and down the continent and some would sell me their old stuff some would sell me things that they um not not for, these aren't for our principles for our background because we had so many background uh, actors we had to recreate for the principles but so i had access to the real thing mm. and not only did i have access to the real thing but to um the knowledge that went behind them and the history that went behind them and the tradition and the anecdotes, familial anecdotes that went with them. It was, I was amazingly privileged in that respect. So the, with working within those very narrow parameters, we had to create, we had to find ways to express each character's individuality as best we could. And, and 
that was a real wonderful challenge. I, I loved that challenge because the, there was so little to them seemingly, but watching the actors' reactions when we put on whether it was a real replica or a real, I mean, dress, for example, to, for a fitting, or it was something that we had made specifically for their character, the reactions, there, there was the entire spectrum of reactions to that simple polyester dress. And wow. they were fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Some found them freeing, that some found the invisibility that it afforded them freeing. Some found it uh, confrontational. Mm. Some found it, uh, it, it, was an, it was amazing to watch. Some, it brought up issues that they were dealing with that had to do with the, their place in their lives at that moment whatever else they were dealing with in their moment in, in that moment of their lives that maybe they were also finding restrictive or yeah. they hadn't it was it was a fascinating thing to watch and and to think that a, a pleated polyester dress could could have that effect on people was was amazing to watch some for some the younger girls it was the first time they'd ever had a professional fitting yeah. and that in itself was amazing and they're young girls who didn't often wear dresses or did so even that was amazing to watch there were mm -hmm. there were like a weird cross between a an acting exercise and a session psychiatrist psychologist <laughs> session i think <laughs> i think even the actors were surprised by their reactions and the things that came out yeah while wearing those dresses mm. And there is something that has to do with color, if I'm not mistaken, correct? The darker the color, the, um, isn't it the older they are in, um, or the more stature they have in the, in the colony? And, and well, if I'm searching this place, correct? No, you're not, you're not. It's uh, in a, in an S, there is an essence of that. Yeah, it's, it's more, yeah, stature, yes. Uh, the matrons, the older older women, matriarchs generally wear darker colors, smaller patterns. Out of uh, modesty is the best word I can use. Respect, tradition, um, and in fact, when I was buying fabrics in from a a woman in southern Manitoba in a town called Winkler, who um, still dressed in plain dress, not as extreme as are the women in our movie but uh, but still in plain dress with a head covering and you know modest clothing I was looking at something and I, I forget how it came about but uh, she said oh my mother would never wear that one she would choose something like this and she was a woman at least my age and I'm close to 60 so her mother would have been you know 70s 80s so she she set some parameters for me as to make my choices to to learning that you know again it, it very so much of it with these dresses has to do with negating pridefulness and and reminding the wearer of their place in their community and in god's community god's yeah. realm and in their their service to their husbands 
So um, we tried the best we could. I, I divided the families up. The, the best way I could start thinking about how to use our work within our parameters is to divide the family. So in my mind, I thought of personalities and moods. So I gave the reasons just from, from my interpretation of the book and, and of the script. The Friesen women in my mind were somewhat more, uh, I don't wanna use intellectual in, content, in comparison to anything else as a, one is better than the other, but it, in an intellectual thinking, more in their minds, more uh, not regimented, but um, orderly in their colors, in their uh, in their patterns. So they so for them, I chose purer colors, brighter. With it. I had always had the word electric in my mind for some reason, and I'm not sure why. Um, blues, pure blues, pure purples small patterns, repetitive patterns. And then the Lowens, which is uh, Greta and Marie Kay and, uh, and Mayel and their family, instinctively I chose more uh, earthier colors, more with more movement and more grounding and more instinctive mm. reactions in, in, their, in that there was, so much going on under the surface of them and there was so much murkiness in their lives that was unexpressed so i was drawn to blues i mean sorry greens and browns and caramel colors for them and bigger patterns and slightly more disturbing patterns or 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 mottled that put me in mind of their struggle and their sense of uh there the things that were going on in their lives and then scarface jans's family for example which is in our story is the most traditional the most uh i guess old-fashioned is a simple way of saying it the the you know they toe the line the most and scarface herself is the most traditional out of anything unmoving so in my mind i had images of dried blood of rust of dark tradition uh, of the matrons in their darkest dark do not notice me colors mm. um, and small patterns uh, uh, dried blood really came to me a lot with them mm. so then once I had those three sets I could work within I began to it made me it made it easier for me to work within those worlds and I think in some ways and I of course discussed this with Sarah and Luke because we then had to desaturate everything, yeah. which is a big challenge, mm. and to see how colors reacted to the desaturation. But then I also had wonderful conversations with the actors, and I presented them with my suggestions and worked with them to see if that helped them in any way, and if there were any things that we could express that they wanted expressed in their character through the use of pattern because we had little else mm. we did a little bit of body augmentation in that some of the women wanted to change their physicality within the dresses to give the idea of of years and years of hard hard work mm. physically and mentally and the idea of a woman who's on her 15th child what does your body look like after 15 children? Mm. What, 
what you know how do you hold yourself how how and then we discussed how my team and I could help them express that with any sort of augmentation or restriction even further restriction inside those dresses sometimes there was a an idea of that just to remind them what they were de deciding mm. to stay or leave mm. so that was a fascinating exercise too for definitely for for me and for my team to mm. see the ideas that they come up came up with that blended with ours and in order to express characters yeah and speaking of Scarface, Frances McDormand said about you, quote, she's one of the stealth bombers of the whole experience. She was really dedicated to the authenticity of the clothing. Um, what what does that mean to you when, I mean, someone like uh, the incomparable Frances McDormand says something about um, your work? It means the world to me that I, I had such support from Francis as a producer and as an actor and and I've always felt comfortable to come to her with ideas with to it, it, it was a wonderful collaboration that is that is high praise I I feel I, it was such a great experience working mm. with Francis and I, I loved it and she would send me little snippets of things and we would talk about intellectually mostly we didn't we didn't really talk too much about design we talked about the intellectual repercussions of making a certain decision for example those dresses now imagine you're a farm wife in a hot country not even in southern manitoba you're in bolivia you're in paraguay you're in costa rica you have 15 children and you're 40 you've had 15 children you're sweaty, you're in polyester, you work all day, you have little pleasure, you don't even have those dresses do not even have pockets in them. If you've got 15 children, probably five of them are under the age of eight years old, you've got no place for a soother, you've got no place for a handkerchief, you've got no place. For, so that that's the level of restriction that these dresses pose upon the wearers. So Francis came up with this wonderful idea of using what is called a shaker pocket. And essentially, it's a little pouch that ties around your waist that you can wear. The shakers are, are not the same, you know, religious sect, or I'm, I'm not using the right word at this point. But um, their community is not the same as the Mennonites, but many of their tenants are similar based on modesty and and you know uh, service but this pocket is a simple little thing that ties around the waist and it can be worn under your garment as well so francis came up with the idea that we make these and that the women wear them under their garments to not only to have something to keep maybe their sides or something but to put a mic pack in or to keep their, you know, their mask in when if because we shot during the middle of COVID, mm. so that was a brilliant piece of uh, piece of the puzzle that that Francis was able to contribute, and we were able to incorporate. So things like that all the time. She would we would work together 
things like that. And she would send me little snippets of information and just also working with her and the rest of the producers, the, the level of respect that my work was given was unprecedented for me. It was a beautiful situation to be in and to be listened to and uh, deferred to sometimes and and respected that way is an incredible thing that rarely happens as a designer. Um, most times it's get me a dress like somebody I knew wore to a party I went to once. <laughs> you know, that is, here are all my sketches. No, 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 no. Get me that thing that I saw. That, that often ends up to be the case. So to have this respect and um, support was incredible. And I'm completely spoiled, completely and utterly spoiled working with Didi and Francis and Lynn Lucibello, our, our Toronto producer, and Emily Jade Foley, who helped with research. Uh, Lynn made it possible for me to start early and have access to the Southern Manitoba community, for example, before, um, before I came to Toronto to work, because I was in Winnipeg at the time. And I said, I'm right here. I could do this movie for you in a, in two weeks if I if you let me start now and she said give me a minute let me make a call boom I had access to the people I needed to the funds I needed to it was amazing at every turn like that mm. so uh, so I I am honored that Fred would say something like that uh, it, it, yeah and final two questions for you um, stay, fight, or flee? Flee. No question. No question. These, these women had so much strength. Flee, actually, I, I, if I may, I'd like to rephrase that in, 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 and come back to the difference that the women talk about. There's a difference between fleeing and leaving. Hmm. So, yeah. and they, and the choice they made, I think, reflects that. Um, stay. Yeah, I, I would choose to leave. Hmm. Yeah, to flee. And then final question. Um, what do you ultimately take away from this project? And what do you hope that audiences take away from this project as it continues its rollout among the festivals and then its wider release in the in the next few weeks? Um, I, I hope that they take away, and certainly I have taken away, that collaboration works. Collaboration and respect work, and listening and valuing each other's opinions and reactions and disagreements, it works. It's an amazing way to work, and I'm hoping that the success of this movie is reflected in the fact that we had such a wonderful time making it and respected and included and uh and um what's the word i want to use uh, not referred to but uh, everybody's opinion mattered of course you know there there was a the buck stopped at a certain place but the idea that inclusion like that and respect 
can bring a really, really beautiful result is what I would like people to take out of it, both in our film and, and, dis and discussion, I guess. Maybe I've said that three times already, but <laughs> I keep coming back to it. Re respecting each other's contributions and their opinions and their feelings as well can be a, is a, an amazing way to work, an amazing way to move forward. Thank you all for listening. This episode was edited and produced by me, Jackson Vickery. Graphics were done by Dylan Michael. And the opening and closing theme were done by Sterling Gavinsky.